So tonight, I, I, I want to uh, start off by saying thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to preach your word once again, Father. Thank you, Lord, that this is what you have called me and ordained me to do. And Father God, I praise you, Lord God, for this opportunity, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, that I would rightly divide your word of truth, O oh God. I pray that I would, Lord God, speak under your anointing. Father, with your words, O oh God, and not my own, my God, that your glory, Father God, your glory might cover this congregation. Father God, your spirit might reach deep into their souls. Pray and ask these things in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. So the, I, was, uh, I had another scripture that I was going to preach from tonight, and just right before I walked up here, the Holy Spirit seemed to move me around. And I, w- I want to just start this way. Because I'm, I may not be here very long, but I, 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 I want to start by telling you to hold to God's unchanging hand. I think there's a song that used to say, hold to God's unchanging hand. Put your sight on things eternal and hold to God's unchanging hand. And I want to let you know tonight that, that God doesn't change and God doesn't change his mind. If God gave you a promise, then he intends for that promise to come to pass. This morning we talked of the confidence that we can have in God, but I want to tell you of the, of the, of the, the um, strength you can have, of the anointing that you can have, of the, that, you can, that you can go through difficult times with a praise in your heart and a joy in your, in your step. You don't have to be downcast and downtrodden just because things don't fall together like you think they should. You don't have to be downcast and downtrodden just because it seems to be more difficult. You don't have to be downcast and downtrodden just because it's taken a long time. Because if God spoke it, He doesn't forget it. You and I may forget it, but He doesn't forget it. His hand. The, the, uh, Paul told the church at, Cor- at Corinth that God's word was one thing. God's promises to them was always one thing. Yay. It wasn't yea and nay. It wasn't yes and no. It wasn't changing his mind. It wasn't going back and forth. God's promises are always yea and amen. <laughs> yes, and so be it. Praise God. Hallelujah. God makes promises, and when he makes promises, he intends to keep those promises. I know it may take a long time. I know it may go through difficulties. I know the enemy's going to try to to block and stop. And I'm going to tell you something. In the last two weeks, I have encountered a lot of block and stop. In the last two weeks, I've encountered a lot of discouragement, not from you, from within myself. In the last two weeks, I've encountered a lot of difficult times, a lot of, and maybe that's the reason I'm preaching, maybe I'm preaching to myself today, and that's probably good, and that's good, because I need to hear it. But just because I encounter some difficulties doesn't mean God changed his mind. I have an adversary, the devil, that's out there to try to block everything God has promised me. I have an adversary, the devil, who's out there to steal and kill and to destroy. 
The last thing he wants is for the promises that God has given to you and to me to come to pass. The last thing he wants is for you to be in the middle of God's will with a positive attitude and an expectation of your heart that God's going to do something great. That's the last thing he wants. If he can bring you to church down in the mouth, discouraged, feeling like Mike's got to sing a song to cheer you up, if he can get us there, then I'm telling you, he's got us behind the eight ball, if you would. He's got us in a position where we got to pull ourselves up. But if we can come in here with the glory of the Lord on our lips and the power of God within us, praising God, though we don't feel like praising God, worshiping God, though we haven't seen the promise, giving him glory, though it seems like it's been a difficult circumstance, then I'll tell you that God will meet you where you are and he will pour within you a confident assurance beyond a shadow of a doubt that if God said it, it's certainly got to come to pass. His word says it does not return to him void. It doesn't come back to him void. When the children of Israel got to Kadesh Barnea, they made an 11-day journey in three days. They encountered trials and troubles once they got close. But they made an 11-day journey in three days. And when they got to where God wanted them, they decided that they wouldn't go into the promised land. They decided they would turn back to Egypt. They decided that it wasn't for them. They decided they were, weren't going to do it. But you know what the Lord told them? He said, you'll wander in the desert for 40 years, and then I'll take the next generation, and I'll bring them in. What's the beauty of that? The beauty of that is God gave Abraham a promise. He said, this land is yours. Hallelujah. He made him a promise. This land is yours. And I'm going to tell you something today. Those, those Jews that are on that land today, unless I'm mistaken where we are in Bible prophecy, they're not coming off that land. As a matter of fact, they're going to they're possess more of that land. That, that land is theirs. It belongs to them. God gave it to them. And they're not moving off of it anymore throughout all, as long as there's an earth. <laughs> in the book of Ezekiel, he divides it up to them again. They're not moving off that land. Why? Because God gave Abraham a promise, and God's going to keep his promise true. And whenever the children of Israel wouldn't go in, he didn't, his promise didn't suddenly become null and void. He just said, it's not, you're not going to see it. What a shame to get a promise from God and not get it. I got a tail hanging there. Whoop. I got a tail hanging down here. I got to take care of it. That was on national TV. <laughs> I don't know why I don't have more likes. Anyway, God made a promise, and he's going to make that promise come to pass. It's not going to suddenly turn around or change his mind or anything else like that because when God speaks something, if we don't receive it, he just moves it to the next generation. If the current church isn't interested in what God's doing, he'll move it somewhere else. He'll, he'll take another, you know, the Assemblies of God, I love the Assemblies of God, but the Assemblies of God came in play because the Methodist Church played out. Are you with me? The Methodist Church under John Wesley was, was, the, was the church, him and, him and uh, uh, whatever the guy's name was, they, <laughs> they carried the church forward. 
But, it, but at, in the third and fourth generation, it started playing out, and God raised up another people. And I want to let you know, if we, as the Assemblies of God, if we suddenly become slack, He'll raise up somebody else. He's, he's, he's going to have the end-time revival. There's going to be a great end-gathering. He's going to do what He said He could do, and, and I want to be a part of what He's doing. And when He starts that great revival, I want to be in the middle of it because I know it's coming. I know it's going to happen. I know it's going to be gathered together, and whenever it begins, I want to be there because God has promised it in his word in, in Luke 18 he says this he says there was a city a, in the city a judge which feared not God neither regarded men and there was a widow in that city and she came unto him saying avenge me of my adversary but he would not for a while but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge says, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. I tell you, hallelujah, that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find a people who continually come to him proclaiming the promises that he has promised? This is an unjust judge. God is not an unjust judge. And if we come to him proclaiming what he has said, he is faithful and just to do what he said he will do. I said he's faithful and just to do what he said he will do. He is faithful and just to do what he said he will do. And all he says is whenever it's time for the miracle to occur, will he find a people who have faith in God to believe what he has said? <laughs> the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God doesn't pull it back. God doesn't change his mind. God doesn't, God doesn't do those things. If God lays it up, how many, how, many, how many people in my lifetime have I seen that God called them to preach, but they didn't follow the calling? They didn't stick with it. They didn't, they, somebody, somebody said something to them and they got upset or somebody didn't pay their tithes and they got, got crossways with them or or whatever, and they got out of the ministry, and now they're they're older and they're bitter, and they they're still maybe they're still coming to church, but they just they're just older and they're bitter because they're not where God told them to be. They're not doing what God gave them to do. The calling of God is still there, and 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 they and they just they just that that they, they, they still feel that call. It never goes away. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And if God calls you to something, then He expects you to do it, and that call won't go away. It won't go away. Because if God put it on your heart, then it's eternal. And all he's asking us to do is to have faith and step out into the calling that he gave us. When we were at Northside that short period of time, 18 months, when we were there, we went to a church that had about 18 people. I was telling a Sunday school class this morning, it, it kind of I kind of remembered when, when I sent my resume, Kathy and I sent our resume over there. Um, they called us to give us a phone interview. And I asked the, the guy that was over the, the deacon at the time, 
They had, they were, they, they had a $3,000 a month building note. They had 18 people in the church, and they had rented the church out to three different churches, uh, uh, American, an AME church, a Spanish church, and a Seventh-day Adventist church. We had to wait on Saturdays for the Seventh-day Adventists to get out of the sanctuary so Kathy and I could clean it. <laughs> they had rented the church out to three churches so that they could afford this $3,000 a month note. So they were a little bit, they were having a hard time, and I asked the guy that was the head deacon there, I said, so let me ask you something. I said, if you were, to, if you were, going, to, uh, if you were going to cause this church to grow, what would you do? And the guy that's interviewing me says, I really don't know. We've tried all kind of stuff and nothing's working. To be honest with you, I don't know why I'm still even coming here. <laughs> Ain't that something to tell a candidate? <laughs> but we knew, we knew that this is where God wanted us. We knew that this is where God was sending us. We understood that this was the task. And even though I may have heard some voices of discouragement, and even though I may have heard some things that, that caused me to wonder, even though I may have wondered why, how I was going to pastor a church from 120 miles away, even though gas was $4 a gallon, and I didn't know how I was going to... The pay I was being offered wasn't even enough to cover my motel room for one night, much less three. But God made a way. Another story. And what I'm telling you is, we went to that church. They were discouraged. They were despondent. They were, they were, they were written their church out to three different people. And in a period of about a, a, less than a year, in a period of about six months, God prospered us. God brought in a few people. God caused other people to get better jobs and better things. And next thing you know, Kathy and I were moving churches out of there. We were, we, were, we, were, we were moving churches out. And, and within a period of just about less than a year, God enabled us to be able to pay that family life center off. We paid that thing off. We put out a $10,000 sign. God prospered us in everything we put our hands to. And when we left that church, after 18 months, God moved us out of there. And when we moved out of there, we left a congregation that God had raised up that was moving forward, that had expectations of God doing great things in their hearts, that, that, was a, that was a changed congregation that was different than what we came to. It's not because of us. It's simply because of us following God's leading and doing what God gave us to do in faith, not being discouraged by the fact that nobody wants to be there. Not being discouraged by the fact that it's not the ideal situation, but instead moving forward into what God's called us to do and allowing God to do the rest. And I'm telling you, all God's looking for tonight is for you to take a simple step of faith. A simple step of faith. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> not to look at the circumstances or evaluate every situation and everything. You know why the... You know why the children of Israel didn't go into the promised land? Do you know why they didn't go? It wasn't because they didn't have the army. They had the army. It wasn't because they didn't have the resources. They had the resources. It wasn't because they didn't have a leader. They had the leader. Why didn't they go? Doubt induced by spies. They sent 12 spies over there to evaluate how to attack the land, and they came back with a report that said we can't win. 
And a lot of times whenever we come into a difficult circumstance or we get into a bad situation, we want to go to the Internet and send out spies to find out what the problem is, to find out what the side effects are. To find out whether the Internet thinks we can be victorious. To find out if the Internet knows of a cure. To find out if the Internet knows something. And I want to tell you, I'm, all, I'm not against the Internet and I'm not against doing research. But you better do your research on your knees first. You better find out what God's decision is first. And once you know God's plan, then you begin to do your research with the intention of accomplishing God's plan. Not with an intention of finding an escape that you might be able to bear it, but instead of finding his way, finding his truth, finding his life. And I'm telling you, God will make a way where there is no way to the person that keeps marching, keeps marching, keeps marching. My God, hallelujah. God's word is true. God's word is just. And God is a faithful God. He doesn't change his mind, but all he asks of us, he says, will I find faith on the earth? And I ask you tonight, church, is God going to find faith here at Oak Grove? Is he going to find faith that, that we can accomplish what God has given us to accomplish? Is he going to find a people who said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord? Amen. Joshua invaded the land. He was 43 years old whenever they said that you can't go in. He marched out there with a bunch of naysayers and watched them all die for 40 years. Then at 83 years old, he invaded the land as the commander-in-chief. He fought against all the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the, all the Ites in there. He fought against all them. He subdued a portion of the land. He divided out the land between all the different places. And at 96 years old, at 96 years old, he was done. He had divided out the land. He had done everything God had given him to do. He had secured the area around Benjamin and around Judah and around Ephraim and around Manassas. He had secured that part of the land, the center, the heart of the country. He had divided out the land between the other, between Simeon and, and Zebulun and Issachar and Asher and Naphtali and Dan. And, and he divided out all that land up there and told him, go and possess your land. And at 96 years old, he had basically stopped and said, okay, now your land, your land is here. I want you to go possess it. And the Bible tells me that for the next 14 years, they enjoyed their rest. Just read it this morning. They enjoyed their rest. From 96 till Joshua was 110, they conquered no more lands. They took over nothing else. They didn't expand the boundaries. They did nothing but enjoy the pieces of property that God had given them. God had given them from the Mount Sinai all the way to the Euphrates River. That was the property that, that God gave Abraham and told them to possess that land. And they possessed a little area there in the middle, but they never went any farther. And the Bible tells me that the end of Joshua's life the Bible tells me that when everybody that knew Joshua died, the Bible says that the children of Israel began to do what was right in their own eyes. And whenever they did that, for the next 450 years, the book of Judges is being written. <laughs> and <laughs> that book of Judges is nothing more than the children of Israel faltering and failing God, getting possessed, and then God deliver them. And then they faltered and failed God. 
get possessed and God, God delivered them. Then they falter and fail God. Then they repent and God delivers them. And for 450 years, they took one step forward and two steps back. One step forward and two steps back. And until the time of David, they never possessed the land that God had given them to possess. They become tributaries. They went under all kind of problems. They had all kind of situations. And it's because they quit pressing forward. They didn't go where God had told them to go. They didn't possess what God had told them to possess. Instead, they found out that it was a lot easier. It was a lot easier to put those people under tribute and have them paying your money under the table than it was to conquer them. And so they let them live. And I think God wants you to hear tonight that God didn't call you to coexist with your doubts and with your promises. <laughs> Finally found it. God didn't call us to coexist with our doubts and our promises. Those promises are to live and those doubts are to die. If you have a Sunday school class that doesn't have anybody in it, doesn't mean God didn't call you to that class. Instead of Still prepare every week like you're going to teach. Come in there and begin to teach those chairs. And speak to those chairs and com com confess things that aren't there. And let the power of the Holy Spirit begin to move people into that class. If, 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 if God has called you to something and, and you don't see a big explosion of it and it's not doing like you thought it was going to do, it doesn't mean it's time to quit. It simply means it's time to start acting and professing what God has called you to. Are, are you getting this? I, I've already told this story a thousand times, but there was a guy that started a house church. His name was Cho, Yogi Cho. He started a house church. There wasn't but about ten people in it, and they were all kin to him. But he'd get to preaching, and he'd get so loud. And after a while, his, one, of his, one of his cousins said, why do you scream? Y'all can identify, right? Why are you so loud? We're all in one room. Why are you so loud? He said, because when I close my eyes, I see a church of a thousand. And at one time, he pastored the largest church in the world. Over 100,000 people, 10 different locations. They bought an entire mountain and called it Prayer Mountain. And they put rooms in that mountain and you could go there was no tv there was no no phone service there was nothing in there you went in there and prayed and there was so many people that had those rooms that you had to make a reservation you couldn't just show up why because one man in a house church believed with promise that god had given him and he wouldn't be content and when he closed his eyes he saw the promise when you close your eyes church do you see your promise when you go to pray, do you see your promise? Will he find faith when he returns to the earth? Will he find us faithful? Will he find us pressing forward? You know, in closing, Sister Ann, she, she has a phrase that she tells me every now and then. She's looking at me. And I've got the mic, so if I say it wrong, she can't correct me. <laughs> She's got a phrase every now and then. Sometimes she'll tell me, Brother Scott, 
I would have rather not awakened, awakened this morning. I would rather be in heaven with him. But God has left me on the earth. And as long as I'm on the earth, I have one constant prayer. And it's God, let me win one more soul for you. As long as I'm on the earth, Lord, let me win one more soul for you. You see, she could coast. She's got a lot of physical problems. She's got a lot of, lot, of, lot of reasons for her to be able to just coast to the finish line. But she's made a decision not to coast. And a lot of you have made the decision, I'm not going to coast. I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm not going to just keep these doubts there sitting beside me. But instead, I'm going to destroy them. And I will have what God has promised me I could have. Why don't you stand with me this, this evening? Like I said, maybe today's been a sermons for me. I know I've listened to them. But I want you to know tonight that the promises that God has given you, we simply need to press into them. Press into them. Press into them. And don't let doubt and discouragement and the things that other people say, don't let them stop you from what God has promised you. But instead, continue to push and continue to press. God has given this church a lot of promises over the last 15 years that Kathy and I have been here, and there were promises before we got here. And all I'm telling you is that I plan on keep pressing and pushing till I see what God has promised Till I experience what he has promised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I won't quit calling things that are not as though they were until my faith becomes sight. Because if I win the battle in the spirit world, then it's not too long till the physical has to follow. The physical has to follow. Because God has made me a king and a priest in this earth. I am part of the king of the kingdom of, of heaven on this earth and part of that kingship is that we bring the things of God to the to this earth so if I win the battle in the heavens I will win the battle on the earth hallelujah hallelujah would you just lift your hands with me for just a moment and I want you to begin to proclaim as we've already done tonight the things that God has promised Heavenly Father we thank you Almighty God Lord, that your Holy Spirit, God, will lead us and guide us. We thank you, Almighty God, that no weapon formed on this earth will prosper, God. We thank you, O God, that every promise that you have promised, O God, will certainly come to pass. Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name tonight, Lord God, that today has been a day, Father, of building faith and building confidence, God. Today has been a day, O God, of building expectations, O God. Today has been a day, Almighty God, whenever we reset, Lord God, that we reset the boundaries, Lord, that we reset our thinking, O oh God, that we reset, Lord God, our, our purpose, O oh God, Lord, that we gain a new strategy of what you've given us to do, O oh God, Lord, that we gain, Lord God, a new expectation of what God is doing and how God is going to accomplish it, that we not, we're not discouraged by maybe the failures of the past, O oh God, 
But instead, Almighty God, we embrace the promises of the future, Lord God. For, Lord God, though the children of Israel, though they failed and faltered for 450 years, Lord God, though they failed and faltered for 450 years, God, one day you raised up a David, Lord God. And that David, Lord God, he brought all the promises of God to pass, and he possessed all the land. And all you were looking for, God, is a man after your own heart, Lord God. And, Father, may we be that people tonight. Night, oh God, that search for you, oh God, that press for you, oh God, that push for you, oh God, that desire to see your presence moving among us, Lord. God, may we be full of your spirit and full of your anointing, God, full of your power and full of your direction. God, I thank you tonight, Father. God, I praise you in Jesus' name. I praise you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> Well, I feel better. You feel better? I feel good. Oh, I feel so good. Whoop. <laughs> Amen. Press forward. Receive. Have what God says you can have. Be what God said you can be. Receive what God says. Don't be weary and well-doing, but press on. Press on. Press on. As a vengeance friend of mine says, we keep marching. We keep marching no matter what. God bless you. Have a, have a great weekend. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence here today, God. Hallelujah. Thank you for your glory. It's been in this house tonight, God. Thank you, Lord God, that you have, Lord God, renewed some things within us, oh God. Hallelujah. That you're present in your power, oh God, that it's touched our hearts and our minds and our souls by Christ Jesus. And God, I thank you, Lord God, that, Lord God, today's a new day, Father. Today's a great day, oh God. And we just praise you, Lord God for the good things that you've done. And God, we just give you glory now. Be with this congregation, Lord God. Guide us and keep us, O oh God. Cause your love and your protection to be around us, O oh God. And let your Holy Spirit, God, touch us every step of the way. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. 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 Have a good week. God bless you.